Hello, my wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. It's really wonderful to be able to share with you again. This week we're following the theme, the Holy Spirit in contemporary religion. And the big question for today, must I speak in tongues to be saved? Today our co-host is David Butcher. David's the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in South Australia. Welcome to you, David. Good afternoon, Gary. It's really good to be sitting opposite you and seeing your brilliant face. Look, I tell you what, it's actually been a couple of weeks. You've had a couple of weeks with other things on. You haven't been able to come and join us, and we've really missed you. I've really missed it, and hopefully um, I've missed being um, part of the journey with our listeners. Yeah, no, no, no. It's wonderful to have you back with us. Tell us, though, David, how's the bike riding going? Because these spring mornings must really be enticing for you. Yeah, look, uh, I'm really, uh, haven't done a lot this week. I've done a few short stints. Uh, my wife um, had a significant birthday and sh- last week she purchased an e-bike. So now she's on an e-bike. Cheat, that's a bit of a cheat. So. She's passing me on the hills, <laughs> Megan is, but um, I'm beating her on the flat. Uh, look, Gary, I've, um, interestingly enough, in the month of October, I'm riding for a worthy cause. It's called the Great Cycle Challenge and it's raising money for kids with cancer because okay. essentially one child dies, three child Three children die every week in Australia from cancer. And so I'm uh, setting an aim of 752 kilometres. Last year I did 1,000 in the month of October and uh, raising funds and I'm just under $2,000 so far. Wow, that's a that's an incredible, um, uh, I suppose, donation to um, the, the Children's Foundation, but that distance is still uh, quite significant too. Yeah, look, it'll be good for me and I'll enjoy it as well. That's going the equivalent of here to Port Augusta. Hello to all our people in Port Augusta and back again. That's, that's true, uh, yes, yep. That, that's, really, that's really good. Now tell me, David, if people would like to uh, support you and obviously the uh, the children's cancer uh, that you're writing for as well. How can they do that? Yeah, look, uh, the website is greatcyclechallenge.com.au, greatcyclechallenge.com.au, and they just need to look in there for a David Butcher in South Australia and they can sponsor me for this worthy cause. Ah, oh, that's fantastic. And, of course, David, you do pass a bit of a commission across to Faith FM for this advertisement too, don't you? No, there's no commissions. It all goes to kids with cancer. Oh. But if people want to donate to Faith FM, they can do that too on the website. That's, faithfm.com.au. that's very true. And, and I tell you, that is an excellent, that, that is, this is a really worthy cause. You know, I mean, the small scale, um, radio operations are, do actually have some expenses. And, uh, yeah, no, thank you so much for doing and sharing that, uh, that David. That's important. Now look, this week we're following the theme, the Holy Spirit in contemporary religion. And our big question for today is, must I speak in tongues in order to be saved? Now that's a, uh, that's going to be a challenging question. We're going to come to that in just a moment. But before we go there, I'd like to chat to you about something that's happening in the uh, religious world right now. I came across this article. It's entitled The Frailty of Life and the Urgency of Compassion. And this is put out by the Denison Forum uh, News that's actually discerned just a little bit differently. And uh, this is what the article says. Nick Slater, age 46, was fatally mauled on Tuesday off a beach protected by shark netting. His death 
is only the second fatal shark attack in one of 85 beaches in Queensland that have been protected by nets and drum lines since 1962. Sharks can swim under and around nets, which is apparently what actually happened in this case. That's a terrible thing uh, to, uh, to see that sort of thing happen. In other news, and I was really interested in this one, a dentist in New York City is seeing an epidemic of cracked teeth sometimes six in a day. She's attributing this to pandemic-induced stress. Now, to me, I found this uh, this quite remarkable. Working from home with bad posture, which produces nerve problems in our jaws, and teeth grinding during restless sleep at night. On a more positive note, guitar sales are actually booming. Fender is seeing the biggest year of sales uh, volume in company history and interest in guitar lessons on video is absolutely surging. The reason, as people are staying home during the pandemic, they're looking for something therapeutic to do. According to one uh, neuroscientist, learning the guitar kindles hope and optimism which helps regulate stable mood chemicals like serotonin and dopamine. What do these stories have in common, the article uh, says. And this is, this is what it says. I recently participated in a Forbes webinar on digital transformation stocks. The presenter highlighted stocks in a variety of areas that illustrate the massive disruptive changes that are happening right now as a result of digital technology. For example, he stated that Netflix has grown from mail-order DVD company to the streaming giant whose shares are up 11,390% since 2009. Now, that's absolutely huge. The company added 25 million subscribers just during this year's pandemic. There are some other examples he, he suggests. Zoom Video is up... Um, is up by 300 million users, with shares up 307% since last year. Teladoc Health shares are up 156% in, in 2020, and Peloton, the at-home workout platform, has grown 120% in just this year. Apple shares have grown 73% this year and Tesla is up an astonishing 8,335% since its 2010 launch. Amazon's cloud market is projected to reach $331 billion by next year. Its shares are up 86%. These are remarkable figures as, and these are all in the, in the technology area. And then the article says this, which I thought was incredibly incisive. However, the tech boom is not solving the problems that matter most. Marine biologists can do their best to protect us from sharks, but nature still finds a way to threaten us daily. Stress manifests in ways we do not see, but our dentists do. Learning the guitar is therapeutic while we're learning the guitar, but the broken world actually awaits us at the end of the session.
Do you know, David, one of the things I suppose I'm really conscious of is that for some time we've wondered how our world will change as a result of, you know, all that's occurring at the present time. And to me, as I read this article, I'm starting to realise that probably at the very base level, we're looking at being even more connected and with that connection through technology, probably a lot more isolated you know, and I'm starting to wonder, is this going to have ramifications? Is this going to impact us on the things that matter most? I mean, David, what are the things that, to you, matter most? Do you think they're going to impact on us? These, well, The things that you've said are impacting on us, definitely. And, and the figures you've read are phenomenal. In fact, they're too hard to even grasp. They're too yeah. big, too large. Yeah. Yeah. The things that matter most are relationships. And I think the situation we are in and going through COVID-19 has highlighted that. Mm. When um, some places are in lockdown, Mm. stage four lockdowns and isolation, we know what that does on the human spirit, on the human, on the, Mm. on the person. Yeah. It shuts them down. So we're living in a world uh, with more gadgets and technology to connect us more than ever before. And yet we're not building relationships. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that to me is absolutely so key. You know, I, I'm really feeling for our good mates in, in Melbourne at the present time and hello to all our good mates in Melbourne. Uh, because, you know, originally there was a, a little bit of humour between South Oz and, uh, and Melbourne. Uh, but, you know, as I, as I consider the people, I know my own mother, she's passed away now, but, um, uh, she, she was in aged care there in, in Melbourne and actually in one of the homes that's currently suffering, uh, tremendously. And I'm so conscious that even, uh, here in, in this state, you know, the lockdown that is occurring, for people who are in aged care hmm. is is having a huge impact on their lives. It is. My mother is in an aged care facility in Melbourne and um, someone there had COVID and for two weeks basically um, they were isolated in their rooms and she, my mum's got dementia and that might be a positive or a negative, but hmm. it impacts lives. Yeah. And so I think all of this technology, what the world offers us, actually creates selfishness it promotes myself yeah it promises advantages it promises abilities it promises connectivity but instead it makes me more inward mm. Mm. and so relationships suffer compassion suffers understanding suffers the intimacy of human relationships suffers yeah do, do you think it actually flows across into our spirituality our spiritual lives as well Absolutely, because I think things like attention now, sorry, things like attention, our attention span is shorter than ever before. Yeah. We've got so many things flashing and vying for our attention, so many things vying for all these things that our spirituality is often at risk of coming mm. second mm. or last. Yeah, yeah. In other words, the, it's physically possible for the technology to actually take the place of. You know, I know for a, a short while there, some of our um, some of our folks were uh, uh, really, uh, you know, uh, breathing. Uh, it was nice to have some time at home. Uh, but you know, one of, we've just done a, uh, done a survey at our, you know, at our church and the number of people who've actually responded and said, hey, it is great to be able to come back into community. 
uh, is actually very significant. And that's what God made us for, didn't he? To yeah. commune, to have relationships yeah. together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm conscious that to be able to, you know, have that relationship with our God as well, we often need to be able to bounce off others. You know, it's when others can actually, when I can pray with others, when I can um, spend time with them, that I can actually often grow in my in my spiritual life. We both grow. And, both and I grow. think of, you know, the animal kingdom. When an animal gets isolated, it often may become a, a target for, yeah. for other prey creatures. And yeah. So when we isolate ourselves, when we don't have the, when we have the option to isolate ourselves spiritually, ultimately we suffer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we weren't created for yeah. that. David, thank you so much for that. Look, we're going to come to our question in just a moment, but look, let's come to some music first. This is Anna Arbeden, Unimaginable. Have you ever felt joy deep inside your soul? Jesus, be. 
your life gets harder and the world gets worse, Jesus has the answers. Do you need the hope that Jesus will bring into your heart? What about your friends, family or workmates? Faith FM's free offer for you today is a life-changing book called The Great Controversy, filled with stories of hope and encouragement that are guaranteed to draw you closer to Jesus. To receive your free copy of The Great Controversy, go to faithfm.com.au or call us on 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-843. Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time. Big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Uh, today, our co-host is David Butcher, and David's the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in South Australia. And this week, we're following the theme, the Holy Spirit in contemporary religion. This is a really big one. Uh, this is an increasing emphasis that's moving through so many uh, different churches. Our big question for today, must I speak in tongues to be saved? Now, help us out, David. This this is one that I'm conscious that so many Christians would actually suggest that in order to be saved, I do actually have to speak in tongues. That's uh, a lot of confusion out there. Help us out. Yeah, the really important topic, Gary. And there is a lot of confusion. And we need to realize in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus says in numerous places, at least three times in Matthew 24, that in the last days there would be great deceptions. So we need to be mindful there is confusion and there is also deception. Mm-hmm. But Gary, I want to take us to Acts chapter 1. Mm-hmm. In Acts chapter 1, uh, it's uh, 40 days uh, since Jesus' uh, death and resurrection. Pentecost is 10 days away. Jesus is about to leave his disciples and go to heaven. And he tells them in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, that um, they are to go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father, that they're going to be baptized in a very short time by the Holy Spirit. And then we get to Acts chapter 2. And I'm going to share a few things and then come back to Acts chapter 2. But in Acts chapter 2, Peter preaches this powerful sermon 40 days after the death and resurrection of Jesus, a powerful sermon that Jesus is the promised Messiah, the one that they crucified is is the promised Messiah. And Peter's sermon cuts the believers to their hearts, cuts the Jews to their hearts. They're convicted. Mm. And they say to Peter in verse uh, 37, now, when they heard this, in other words, when they heard his sermon, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And then verse 38 tells us, then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins or the forgiveness of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, why am I saying this? What I'm saying to you, Gary, is that the Christian church has a focus, and Mm -hmm. rightly so, on the outworkings of the Holy Spirit, Mm -hmm. the gift of prophecy, the gift of teaching, the gift of apostleship, the gift of healing, the gift of tongues, etc., etc. And often when I move in Christian circles, in various denominations, I hear emphasis placed on the various outworkings of the Holy Spirit, on teaching, preaching, apostleship, etc. But what we find here in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter is saying that when they repent, when they're baptized, they will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So I want to suggest to you that instead of seeking a particular outworking of the Holy Spirit, 
speaking in tongues, etc., or prophesying, we should be really seeking the ultimate gift, which is the promise of the Father, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then... We, we shouldn't be desiring one gift above another. In fact, if we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Mm. Yeah, now this is a very powerful uh, chapter, this, uh, this particular one, because it really explains some of these things uh, really well. It, it does. And yeah, I want to pull out a few things here and then jump back to what we're talking about, this gift of tongues. Um, 1 Corinthians 12, it says this in verse... Four, There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So in other words, Paul is saying it's the Holy Spirit that is the gift. Mm. And when we receive the Holy Spirit, when we ask for the Holy Spirit, which we should do on a daily occurrence, because the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, mm. and that's been dealt with on Monday night, I believe. But when we ask for the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit lives in our life, and the Holy Spirit then chooses, and this is what we find in verse 11 of chapter 12, it says, but one and the same Spirit works all these things distributing to each one individually as he wills. Okay, so the gift that actually comes into our lives is the gift. And, of course, that word is singular in, yes. the, uh, in the text there. So you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Yes. But when the Holy Spirit comes, he seems to uh, manifest himself through uh, in different ways almost. The way in which a person will minister will vary. And and the gifts we find in First Corinthians uh, chapter 12 uh, for the building up the edifying of the church and also for the mission of the church equipping the saints mm. so we we seek the gift of the Holy Spirit I don't seek the gift of tongues or the gift of teaching or whatever other gift I seek the gift of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and when the Holy Spirit comes into my life and when I dedicate my life to God, he will equip me as he wills, First yeah. Corinthians twelve yeah. eleven says, yeah. as he wills with whatever particular outworking of himself, gift of tongues, gift of prophecy, etc., based on the circumstances that I am in. Yeah. and the ministry that he cho- he elects me to do. You know, I think what you've got here painting here is a very beautiful picture because I suppose I'm conscious that at Christmas time with my children, uh, certainly when they were younger, not so much now, but when they were younger, uh, we would distribute to them as parents various gifts. But at no point did we actually give them all exactly the same gift. What we did was gave them the gift that we we felt that, hey, that they might most appreciate, that they would be most able to utilise. And that you knew that they needed and would be of greater benefit. And as a parent, I sort of say, hey, uh, that's a, a very beautiful thing for a parent to actually be able to do. And I see our heavenly parent actually doing something very similar. So the foundation then is to let the Holy Spirit, this is what Scripture teaches, Mm. give the outworking of himself. He is the gift. Give the outwork of himself in whatever manifestation, tongues, prophecy, whatever, as he chooses because he knows what's best and he knows what's needed. Okay. Okay. So therefore, this is the foundation. Do I need to speak in tongues to be saved? Well, I think we've already debunked that. We'll go about... That's like saying, does everyone need to be able to work miracles? 
in order to be saved? Or does everyone need to be able to preach a sermon in order to be saved? Or uh, There are so many ways you could actually look at this, and we could say everyone has to be able to preach a sermon in order to be saved. But, of course, that would be nonsense. That's ex- that is exactly right. And I think the last chapter of Mark, Mark chapter 16, uh, verse 17, says this. Jesus is speaking. And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will be by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Mm-hmm. Now, Jesus is not here suggesting that every Christian will cast out demons, that every Christian uh, will speak in tongues, that every Christian will be able to pick up, a, will, will pick up serpents and drink deadly poison and not be hurt. He's not saying to do those mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. He's saying that the Holy Spirit will bring these outworkings through us as he wills at the right time and yeah. for the right opportunity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's a, such an important point to actually to actually emphasize. Yeah. So essentially, do we need to speak in tongues to be saved? The answer is no. There is no reference that Jesus ever, ever spoke in tongues. I guess he did. He spoke in Aramaic and he could speak in Hebrew. Mm. Uh, but he didn't speak in what most modern people today would consider to be the gift of tongues. Mm. Um just tell us what is the gift of tongues then, because you know you you're hinting at something here, but I'm I'm still a little unclear as to what the gift of tongue. I mean, what is it? What is it? Yep. So let's go back to Acts chapter two. Okay. So remembering ultimately that the real gift is the Holy Spirit, yeah. and He gives as He wills, as He sees fit. Acts chapter two. We're now on the day of Pentecost, mm-hmm. and this is where the Holy Spirit is poured out on the Christian church, on this group of believers. Um, they are together in Jerusalem. Uh, they've been praying and worshipping for 10 days, waiting for the promise of the Father, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts chapter 2, we have the coming of the Holy Spirit in his fullness. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Mm. So the word tongues here comes from the Greek word glossa, Mm -hmm. and it simply means languages. Mm -hmm. So here in Jerusalem, it's this incredible Jewish festival, Mm. the festival of Pentecost. Jews have come from all over uh, the Mediterranean area, the then known world. They've come to Jerusalem. They speak different languages. And the disciples, the Christian church is being birthed. The Holy Spirit gives the gift of tongues to the disciples to speak, which is the gift of speaking other earthly languages. And now we'll go about and and show that, give evidence for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, Let's see that because this is important. We look at this from the scriptures. So we read there in verse 4 that they spoke in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And verse 5 tells us, And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, in other words, the tongues, the Mm. multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own tongue. Language. Language, exactly. Mm. 
In fact, my version actually says own language. And I think most uh, more contemporary versions would actually say that because what we've actually got here, of course, is the word tongue is uh, comes from the, uh, the, the King James um, um, translation, which is 400 years, years old. Exactly. And uh, here this, this is actually abundantly clear in this particular passage what the tongues actually are. Keep, keep on reading yeah, absolutely. on this one. So yeah. I could say to you, Gary, what's your native tongue? It's what's yes. your native yes, language. Yes. So people are confused because they can they heard them speak in their own language. Verse 7, Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? How is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontius, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya, adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. Now, what we have here is a list, I think, of roughly 16 different nations or people mm, groups mm. that have come to Jerusalem. Jews from other nationalities have come to Jerusalem, 16 different languages. Mm. Now, this is the greatest shot in the arm that the Holy Spirit could give this infant child called the Christian church, mm. the gift of speaking other earthly languages. We've read in this passage that these Jews from other nations have heard the Galilean disciples speak a message, and these people from other parts of the world can hear them in their own native language. In other words, the key thing here to me is this issue of understanding, because what's actually taking place is that uh, these this a diverse group of people who've come to Jerusalem for the feast are able to understand what is actually going on. And they don't need an interpreter. And they don't need an interpreter. Now, sometimes the modern gift of tongues, which some churches claim is a gift of tongues, they say you need someone to interpret it so you can understand it. Mm. That is a misuse, or I would even suggest, Gary, it is not the biblical gift of tongues that is being used. Yeah, yeah. I actually had, you know, David, a lot of a lot of people don't don't realise in ministry you have some very interesting experiences. On, on one particular occasion, I actually had a uh, a fellow came to me and he was he was incredibly young. He was young. He was passionate, uh, and he came to me and uh, and said, uh, uh, Pastor, um, I really appreciate uh, you know your preaching, you're teaching, uh, he said, but the thing that, you know, I know the Holy Spirit is with you, but can you speak in tongues? And I said, well, no, I I don't speak in, in tongues as you would understand the uh, tongues. Uh, and uh, he said, Pastor, let me teach you to, part, to, to preach in tongues. Mm. He said, now what I want you to do is just start start making sounds and noises and it will take over. And I can teach you to speak in tongues. Now, you know, David, that actually really, that made me very, very nervous. It troubled you. It troubled me greatly because when somebody says to me that, hey, they're able to teach me something that in Scripture is actually referred to 
as a gift of the Holy from the Holy Spirit, Spirit I'm sort of saying, hey, where, where is this actually uh, coming from? And, uh, yeah, no, I, 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 that was a, an experience that I, I long remember and it really challenged my, uh, my thinking on that particular occasion. So I want to say this really nicely, Gary. Right throughout Scripture, there is so many times a genuine um, truth yeah. And alongside that, very close and often very similar, is a counterfeit. Yeah. And I want to suggest that if we take ourselves to Scripture, that the biblical gift of tongues is clearly other earthly known languages. And it can, and that's the thing that jumps out at me because certainly as you move through uh, the book of Acts, that uh, to me I, I see incredible foundation. For that particular belief, certainly this is the first time in the in Acts chapter two where tongues is actually mentioned, and here you certainly get very. It's very clear that uh, indeed the tongues that are being spoken of here are the gift of a foreign language for the purpose of expanding the church in the early days of the church. So they were for. They were for for a specific purpose, the gift of tongues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As all the gifts are. Indeed. indeed. As all the gifts. So do we need to speak in tongues to be saved? Well, it's interesting. If you go to Acts chapter 6, we have the growth of the Christian church. And in Acts chapter 6, the church has grown to such an extent that they need some structure in place. And in Acts chapter 6, we have the calling of or the setting aside of... um, some men to be deacons, seven mm-hmm. men. Mm-hmm. And in Acts 6, it says, verse 3, Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And, and the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and at least others. Now, they laid hands on these men. These men did not speak in tongues. And yet, they, no, were, yet they were full of the Holy Spirit. Exactly. Mm. So the real gift, the ultimate gift, is the Holy Spirit. Mm. You and I may never speak in other earthly na- languages, the gift of tongues for the work of ministry. We may, may never. That is up to the Holy Spirit. So Stephen is a man, a deacon. Set aside the first Christian martyr. Philip was one as well. He was an evangelist. There is no record of Philip or Stephen, both men full of the Holy Spirit, ever speaking in other languages. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, and and that is the thing. I think it's important for us to realise it. It's this gift when it comes. It seems to um, certainly you get revival on occasions. You get um, different uh, people responding in different ways. Often uh, there were some who received the Holy Spirit, and then the, the next statement is they arose and were baptised. And the descent of the Holy Spirit actually came in some occasions before baptism. That's exactly true. And and really, I believe that's the case. Generally, that is what happens because we should believe before we're baptized. Mm. When we believe and give our life to God, we're given the gift of the Holy Spirit. Mm. If we go to Acts chapter 9, verse 17, we have this incredible conversion story of Saul, this devout Jew who hated Christians, who persecuted them, who was responsible for many of their deaths, including the 
um, he was party to the death of Stephen. Mm. He is has this Damascus Road experience, a conversion experience. In verse 17, he's been in a, a house for three days, blinded, if you like, can't see, giving his heart to God. God is speaking to him, giving him time out to consider. Mm, mm, mm. Verse 17, God has called Ananias to go see him. And Ananias went his way and entered the house. That's where Paul is, or Saul. Mm -hmm. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with what? The Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. No record of the greatest theologian of the New Testament, the greatest, uh, most prolific writer, human writer in the New Testament. No record of Paul once he received the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues. In other words, this to me is a beautiful promise because sometimes people actually say to me, Pastor, can I know that I'm actually filled with the Holy Spirit? And here we actually find Peter. What happens is that he's actually prayed for, and as a result of prayer, the simple statement is and he was filled with the Holy Spirit and yet we don't see any of the supernatural apart from his sight being restored at that uh, at that particular time you know David one of the things that I know that when I from time to time I have the privilege of being able to, to baptize people and I love this is always the high, a real highlight for me but you know one of the practices that I know that I've uh, engaged in recent years is when I'm in the um, in the font with somebody if I'm in the ocean with someone uh, we'll pause I'll have prayer for them and I'll just ask the Lord to bless them and to give them the gift of the Holy Spirit because that's what Paul did right here. Mm. And, and, you know, to me, so often I find that those two gifts actually come together. That's exactly the case. Mm. Hey, Gary, do you want me to take you further into the book of Acts? Yes, please do. Please so do. let's go to Acts chapter 10. And remember the book of Acts is really the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. It gives us the model church, mm. if you like. The, the early Christian church. Acts chapter 10, Peter has this vision while he's hungry on top of a roof of a, a sheet coming down full of unclean animals. The unclean animals, we find out, later represent non-Jewish people, Gentiles, uh -huh. which the Jews considered unclean. While Peter's having this vision, God tells him to eat these unclean animals, and Peter says, never, I've never eaten anything unclean, I'm a good Jew. Three times this vision comes. Peter has no understanding, he doesn't get it. While this is happening... Um, he's woken up from this trance, this vision. There's a knock at the door. He goes down, and there are some men there that have been sent from Caesarea. Uh, some men there from a Gentile, non-Jewish centurion. Cornelius. Uh, Cornelius. And they say, Peter, you've, you've got to come. Peter doesn't know what all this is about, but he goes. When we get to Acts chapter 10... Um, and verses 45 to 48, 44 to 48, Acts 10, verses 44 to 48. Peter has already come into Cornelius's house. Um, Cornelius has shared, Peter has shared, but verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word and those of the circumcision, in other words, the Jews, mm -hmm. who believed and they were astonished as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid 
water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. So here what we have, we have Cornelius, a non-Jew, mm-hmm. who believes in God. He's got faith. He's, he's mm-hmm. been praying. He saw an angel. Powerful. Peter comes and Peter is with an entourage of Jewish Christians that are still steeped in Judaism. And this, and this, I feel sorry for Peter here because they're struggling. I mean, the Jewish tradition, of course, was that you didn't go into the house of the Gentile. But Paul, Peter's been instructed by God through this vision that, hey, that's exactly what I want you to do. You know? Exactly. Yeah. So Peter still didn't have understanding. He thought they were unclean. Then they speak in tongues. They speak in tongues and they're baptized. Now we jump to chapter 11, verse 15. And now in chapter 11, Peter is describing what happened at Cornelius' house. Mm -hmm. Acts 11, verse 15. He is saying, And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them as upon us at the beginning. Then I remember the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, the the, the gift of tongues is normally given... I believe in Scripture for unbelievers. Uh, for, for believers to be able to minister to unbelievers. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. That's very good. You've clarified. The gift is given to believers for the benefit of unbelievers. Mm-hmm. And so Cornelius and his household are believers. Yes. But they're not Jews. Yes. Peter is already confused about this vision he's had in chapter 10 of unclean. And the Gentiles, Cornelius, is unclean. Peter has with him Jewish Christians that are still steeped with this whole um, uh, Judaism that Gentiles are unclean. And Peter, the gift of tongues is given to Cornelius to show Peter and his fellow companions that are essentially unbelievers at this stage that Gentiles can be Christians. Cornelius and his household speak in tongues and Peter realizes that the Holy Spirit has been given to them, Cornelius, in, in the just, same way, just as Peter and the disciples received the gift of languages in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 2. And the text actually makes that abundantly clear. Exactly. Now, the Jewish people with Peter must have heard and understood Cornelius' house speak in their own language, in mm. Jewish language. Mm. I think the key thing here that we're saying is that in the uh, certainly the book of Acts, what we find is understanding is the very key issue that is spoken about as far as tongues is concerned. In other words, every time there's tongues, what you find is that uh, there is this issue of understanding. You have to be able to understand. In fact, if we go across to you know 1 Corinthians 14, we find that one of Paul's major arguments in that particular passage is that understanding is actually the essential aspect of this particular gift. Exactly. And what's happening in Corinth, the Corinthian church, is a disregard for the true gift. Yeah. In fact, the church in Corinth was corrupt. They 
all sorts of things. All you have to do is read the first few chapters. Yeah, and that that is something that a lot of people don't actually realise when they come to First Corinthians, to First Corinthians fourteen. The, the the church in Corinth is going through some horrendous stuff. In fact, you know, I, I challenge our people occasionally to actually go and read First um, uh, Corinthians when they say to me, uh, "Look, you know, Pastor, our church has got some problems in it," and I say, "Hey, look, so did the church in Corinth. It had huge problems. In fact, you can pull out about five or six sexual immorality there people are taking each other to to law to law courts uh you've got there's, uh, heresy. there's heresies happening there there's disunity happening fighting there amongst themselves fighting amongst immorality. themselves and tongues is actually presented as a problem in corinth because something else is starting to go on exactly it's misused it's being misused and that's what we see often in the Christian church today. Because yeah. remember, tongues is really for, uh, or the gifts, sorry, are for the equipping of the saints and for the work of ministry. Mm-hmm. And as you said, tongues rightly used provides understanding and ability for the gospel to spread. Yeah. They're yeah. ultimately to benefit unbelievers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I really appreciate that, Dave. Look, I'm conscious our time is starting to go away from us. Uh, let's just come to some some music. Uh, this is uh, Carly Fletcher. Uh, teach us to number our days. We do not know how long. Leading on 
Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Today our co-host is David Butcher. David's the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in South Australia. This week we're following the theme, the Holy Spirit in contemporary religion. And the big question for today, must I speak in tongues to be saved? David, look, let's come back if we can. This this issue, so many people quote uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Uh, you know, to me, it's saying a fair bit to me about the importance of understanding in that particular chapter. How, how do you read it? Yeah, look, I agree, Gary. And if, if we jump to 1 Corinthians 14, verse 6 and onwards. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching? Notice the words that are used here, Gary. Prophesying, teaching, and knowledge, and revelation. They will now, require understanding, they don't they? Requ- and this is the key thing. Yeah. The gift in Corinth is being misused. Yes, yes. Lack of understanding. And that, to me, is, is actually really important because I've actually uh, talked, my friend that certainly asked to teach me, we sat down, we studied this particular subject together, and one of the things that really uh, jumped out at him was this issue. He saw 1 Corinthians 14 as being something that Paul was, wasn't was dealing with. He didn't understand it. was de- he, Paul was dealing with a problem. Here, But when you understand that the, the Corinthian church, and I went through with him and I said, hey, you've got a church here that's taking each other to law. It's called a disunited church. Not a model it's church. It's not a model church at all. This has got horrendous. It's got sexual immorality in it. And I said, you know, is this the sort of church that you would expect uh, to actually see the Holy Spirit functioning in? Exactly. And, you know, I mean, he, he had to come, to come to admit that, hey, look, you know, what we've actually got in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul is trying to address the misuse of the Spirit at that particular time. So what we see in Acts is the proper use of the gift of tongues, earthly languages. What we see here is a misuse. Yes. And so that was verse 6. Verse 7, even things without life, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will it be known what is piped or played? For if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare the battle? So likewise, you, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you'll be speaking into the air. Okay. And, you know, David, that to me really does sum it up again because what we've got here where Paul in this chapter is talking about the importance of understanding that which is going on. So remember, and if we jump to verses 20 and 21, brethren, do not be children in understanding. They've got the word understanding again, Gary. Mm. However, in malice be babes, but in understanding be mature. And then verse 22, therefore tongues are for a sign not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. And that is actually really powerful, isn't it? Because what we've got here, you know, so often today uh, I hear people say, hey, tongues are actually a sign for those of us who are believers um, to know that we have the Holy Spirit. Whereas Paul turns around and says tongues are, um, are for a sign not to those who believe but to unbelievers. Why is it a sign to the unbeliever? Well, the unbeliever actually uh, hears something in his own language that the other person hasn't ever been trained or equipped to be able to speak in the other language. And then he's able to understand. And then he's able to understand the gospel. So the gift, the outworking of the gift of the Holy Spirit of tongues is to help establish new believers that don't know the language we speak Mm. in the teachings of God. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, look, uh, this starts to, when you understand what's actually going on in the book of Corinthians, I believe it helps a great deal because it's so easy to actually read um, 1 Corinthians 14 and say, oh, Paul is, you know, is affirming a gift of glossolalia or, you know, um, uh, uttering, uh, utterance. Unknown utterance. A, 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 static, well. a static utterance. Uh, whereas in actual fact, what he's doing is dealing with a yet another problem that exists in the church at Corinth. And so, Gary, there can't be – I don't believe there are two different gifts of tongues. No. The biblical – the Bible doesn't contradict itself. No. The book of Acts makes it very clear it's the gift of other earthly languages. Exactly. So yeah. when we come to Corinthians, as you rightly say, we're dealing with a church that is in turmoil. Yeah. And Paul is trying to sort out problems, the misuse of this gift. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I would actually say so much of the glossolalia that we find today is actually a huge deception. I, 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 I've no other way of putting it. And it, a lot of the reason why it's so dangerous, I believe, Gary, is because it ties the emotions. Mm. And when people have experienced that, they're certain they've got this gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift yeah. of tongues. Yeah. And yet our feelings and our emotions can deceive us. They're important, yeah. but they can deceive us. And Jesus in Matthew 24 says, Beware of false Christ, false prophets, and of deceptions. Yeah, yeah. And increasingly, the day and age in which we're living today, I'm so conscious that that is becoming in, uh, incredibly real in the religious world. You know, I am frightened uh, for the condition and the position of the religious world that we are seeing today. And it's going to be more and more about my own experience or that person's own experience instead of thus says the Lord. Yeah, and uh, in fact, in, in just... This weekend, next weekend, I'm actually going to be be preaching on some of the issues in the Christian world at the present time. They, they are they're actually quite quite horrendous when you sit down and actually look at them. So, Gary, where are you preaching? Tell us the I'm location. I'm preaching over at Brighton Brighton Seventh Day Adventist Church. It's, it's the one that's Amelia Street over in the Hove uh, here in uh, Brighton, and uh, we've actually got a, a ten worship service series. We're going to be talking about uh, the End times, 11 o'clock um, at Amelia the Brighton, Street. Amelia Street, the Hove. Um, I think people will really and really enjoy. Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church and love to meet you in person. Nice. I'd love to meet uh, meet our listeners as well. I'd love to meet each of them. Yeah, okay. Look, we've got to come. We're, our time is, is running away, David. I'm, I'm so conscious that um, we do need to pray. Would you pray? For our, for our listeners, particularly someone who perhaps hasn't, might not feel that they've received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Just pray Absolutely. for that particular person. Dear Father, we thank you that you haven't left us as orphans when Jesus returned to heaven. In fact, Jesus said he would be with us forever, and that is through the gift of the Holy Spirit. And when we choose to believe in Jesus, and that comes through the conviction we're led to that by the Holy Spirit. We are given the gift of the Holy Spirit. And Father, we want to ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit every day because the Holy Spirit is the one that changes our lives. So I pray for our listeners, Lord. We pray that we will realize that the ultimate gift is the Holy Spirit, that we don't own any outworkings of that gift, but the Holy Spirit gives us outworkings as he chooses, as he wills, as is needed. Bless our listeners, Lord, and may we stay true to your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, David. Well, folks, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and David Butcher on Drive Time Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when Pastor Fabiano and Helen Gray look at what is the unpardonable sin against the Holy Spirit. Really look forward to seeing you. But until then, please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. 
May our God richly bless you. Uh, please enjoy Rambos, sheltered in the arms of God. 